With his name currently swirling in trade rumors on today's show, I'm going to make the case for and against trading Justin Verlander at this year's deadline. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're watching Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, I wanted to hop on for a Saturday show because I never got the chance to really make my case for the Mets trading Justin Verlander or keeping him because this wasn't something I really thought would be a possibility until David Robertson was traded on Thursday. And there's something about the announcement of being sellers. And now this length of period of time now where the whole league knows it and phone calls are being made and the way this market is shaping out where I went from thinking there's no chance that the Mets would trade Verlander and or Scherzer to thinking Verlander could go here. And there's a couple of reasons why I believe that. For one, the fact that he's pitching so well. Okay, his last seven starts, he has an ERA just over two. And this is a guy last year who pitched to a 175 ERA. So I think there's teams out there that will buy into the fact that, look, Justin Verlander wasn't healthy early in the season. He had to make his way back, maybe a little bit rusty in those first eight starts. And he's turning it on. And they might buy into that. And they might think, you know what? We're willing to sign up for the age 41 and age 42 seasons of Justin Verlander. If he obviously would stick around for the 2024 season, that contract's guaranteed, but then there's the vesting option 35 million. If he hits 140 innings pitched in 2024, and I guess they think, look, if he hits that many innings pitch, he's probably going to be effective. And maybe everyone just buys into the fact that coming off Tommy John, that is a fresh elbow for Justin Verlander. And he could be, this generation is Nolan Ryan pitching into his 40s. That could be the guy that Justin Verlander is. And so with that, I actually think there could be a lot of interest that is drummed up here. And all of a sudden, it makes you wonder, would it be smart to essentially take the Justin Verlander signing that you made where you thought well, you're going to win now with Justin Verlander and boil it down to being the most expensive buying of prospects we've ever seen in MLB history, because that's what it would be. Now that's not to say that there's not teams that would step up to pay Justin Verlander, but the Houston Astros weren't willing to play ball at $43 million with the Mets this year. And they're one of the teams rumored to be interested. I don't know if they're going to spend $43 million on Justin Verlander next season. So you're going to have to eat down some money. And I think he still owed something like 14 this year based on where we're at in the season and how much is still left on a $43 million deal. So let's just say you got to eat, I don't know, eight of that this year and 15 of the contract next year to dip it under 30, like 28 million. That's a lot of money to spend on a prospect. To spend 
upwards of $25 million potentially to eat down that contract. Okay. So there's that side of it. But if you're Steve Cohen and you're thinking about just your farm system in the future of the organization, and you have a chance to make an outside of the box trade to net an incredible prospect, would you do it? And I think it's that part right there. It's how good of a prospect can you get? for Justin Verlander, and what is six years of control worth to a franchise like the Mets on a guy that, to me, it has to be a prospect that's can't miss. That's not to say that it has to be a top 20 prospect in baseball, but it's got to be a guy with a lot of upside who you you feel, I, I don't think you could trade Justin Verlander for the David Robertson package. That's a rental reliever. And say what you want about David Robertson, as good as he was this year and as good as I think he'll be with the Marlins. I don't think that that move alone drastically impacted the Mets' chances this year. Because they were already in such a hole that it was unlikely they were going to get anywhere. If you trade Justin Verlander, that's it for the season. You're not going to account for the loss of that irritation. If there's any chance the Mets have to win this year, it's because their rotation could get really good. In these final, you know, know, how many games are we we at here? Is there 60 left? A little bit less than that now? 59 left. So, having Verlander make 11 starts or whatever ends up breaking down, that could be extremely valuable to the Mets this season in a way that David Robertson, despite his pivotal role, it just wasn't going to bring that much value to your current team. And then there's the next year component of it. And it's trying to find pitching next year. Here's the case for trading Justin Verlander. And then the next time we get to the case against it. The case for it is, what if a bidding war can form here? There's two teams in particular that have been linked to them that interest me. It is the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. Okay? If there's a bidding war that starts there, and the Rangers are the team to me that is the most interesting. Because I think they're the team that overpays in this situation. A team that is desperate to win, that is holding off the Astros, who currently are two games back, as I record this at 10.35 p.m. on uh, Friday night here. The Angels are six and a half back. This division is as up for grabs as any division in baseball. The AL Central, yes, is up for grabs, but it's not as exciting. The AL East, absolutely up for grabs as well. NL East, that division's over, obviously. NL Central, it's up for grabs, but I don't think it's as exciting where there's World Series contenders in that division the way there is in the West. And then, of course, you have the Dodgers with the Giants and the Diamondbacks, an exciting race. But when I look at a combination of World Series hopefuls and one division, to have the Rangers play the way they had this year, the Astros would be the reigning champs, and the ultimate get-in-the-dance you know, dark horse with the Shohei Angels. That's a division where I think teams could be really desperate to make moves. And if the Rangers want to grab that arm to put them over the top, or would they consider parting with something awesome that the Mets could get back? That's the only argument to trade Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, quite honestly. It's depending on the money you eat, and that's obviously a massive equation in this, it's Will you get a top prospect that is not only great, 
but can be great for your team in the short-term window. A guy that's close enough where you can sell it to your fans as, yes, we decided to capitalize on this opportunity to trade this guy we signed. And we're spending a lot of money to make this deal work. But rest assured, we're going to find a way to make this rotation work without him next year. And this piece we just brought in, he's going to be better to extend our window to win beyond even the next two seasons, but he'll still help the next couple of years. So I think that's the case for training Justin Verlander. And there's another caveat to that. And it's if they have a certain international free agent in mind that they believe they will lock down, I think that also makes Verlander a little more expendable. So I want to touch on that real quick and then get to the case against it. And then we'll close the show today, uh, breaking down Mets nationals two game winning streak. How about that? Um, before we get to any of it, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to have the first home run in a game, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly there's no better place to bet on mlb than fanduel america's number one sports book so sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel an official partner of major league baseball The New York Mets for the Washington Nationals again, 7-10 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, I alluded to an international free agent that the Mets could be in on who would make Justin Verlander more expendable, and that is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Here's a guy who's pitching to a 1-6-7 ERA this season in the MPB, over 108 innings pitched. So 1.82 ERA across a seven-year career. This is the best pitching prospect to come from Japan since Kodai Senga, obviously, but he's better than Kodai Senga. At least he has been in the MPB. And Billy Epler made a trip to see him earlier this year. So there's obviously interest there. So if you feel like you got an inside track at Yamamoto and you know you already have Scherzer still for next year and Kodai Senga, Maybe you believe you have enough frontline pitching to get by. And it also, it's not like the market is devoid of starting pitchers this year. There's not a ton, but there's still Marcus Stroman, who the Mets aren't going to end up bringing back. But there's Blake Snell, there's Julio Urias with him, and also Aaron Nola. So between those four, you would have some other options to potentially sign a guy that can slot in as a frontline starter. Outside of that, more mid-rotation depth guys, Lucas Giolito, Alex Wood, Martin Perez some older veterans as well on top of that, but you'd have to feel pretty good about your chances to get Yamamoto. I think to be comfortable trading Justin Verlander, knowing that Stroman's not coming back. Urias probably doesn't leave the Dodgers. Snell. Maybe that's a a guy you can get, you know, highest bidder gets him, but I I don't know. I, I don't know if Snell would be a fit for the Mets. Nola. Is he leaving Philly? Is he coming to the Mets? 
There's just not a lot out there. And if you have to pay any of those guys upwards of $25 million, and you're also paying Justin Verlander $15 million on someone else's books, that's where it gets really complicated. And this is where we get to the case against trading Justin Verlander because ultimately you're still a win-now team. And the way Verlander has pitched lately, I still believe that unless you're getting a prospect that you just cannot refuse to acquire, you're better off letting this thing play out this season, knowing that you still have Justin Verlander to slot in as your ace the next two years. Because I'm a lot more confident, at least with what we've seen so far, that Justin Verlander is going to be great next year, that I'm confident that Max Scherzer is going to be great. And if you go into the season with Verlander, it's Verlander, Scherzer, Senga, Quintana, David Peterson, Mike Vassell. That's maybe your top six guys. And obviously there's the Tyler McGill's of the world and there's the Jose Budos of the world. And we'll see where Dominic Hamill is at this point. Um, you know, there's other pitchers that the Mets have in their system. Christian Scott, double A. Uh, you can see guys rise and, and impact this roster sooner than later. Tyler Stewart's been another revelation in the minor leagues. But you need frontline starters. The Mets went into this year hoping that their three big starters of Verlander, Scherzer, and Sanga could be a great playoff rotation. We likely won't see that. It's still worth it to go into next year looking for that. And because you're in this position with Scherzer and Verlander on big money but short-term deals, you could sign Yamamoto too. And all of a sudden, you could be sitting with Verlander, Yamamoto, Scherzer, Sanga, or maybe Scherzer's your four-starter, depending on the rest of the year goes. I don't know. But what I would tell you is, I don't believe that you are going to find a player that gets you closer to a World Series than Justin Verlander by trading Justin Verlander. I don't know if there's that prospect out there that you're going to get that's going to tilt your World Series odds as significantly as he could next year. Because if Justin Verlander is healthy for the full season and pitching the way he's been for his last seven starts, you're going to be a lot better baseball team than you were this year. And you're going to have a chance to, I don't know about Compete with the Braves atop this division because the Braves just seem like a machine that year in, year out is going to be awesome. But you got a much better chance to be a playoff team next year and to have a shot when you get to October as well. So I, I would caution against it because the other thing, too, is you know you could be in a position where the money that you would be eating down on Verlander's contract is what you would need to sign Yamamoto anyway. Somewhere in that range. I mean, saying I got 15, I don't know what Yamamoto gets. Maybe he gets 20, but if you had to eat $20 million of Justin Verlander's contract to move him, well, now you can keep them both. Obviously, you'd have to pay the full salary on Verlander next year, but I think it's too risky with how things could fall out in a bad way where you trade Justin Verlander this, this deadline. Scherzer continues to pitch poorly, and that carries over into next season. You don't land a big fish in free agency. You're stuck paying Verlander without a great replacement. And next year's a wash too. And you just had a ton of money burned on these two years where the Mets don't amount to anything. So I really think the best course of action is still to trade those other guys 
to trade the Canas, the fans of the world. If you can get something for Quintana, that's an easier guy to replace next year. If you can get something for Narvaez, who's a backup catcher at this point, absolutely pull that trigger. But the trading of the Aces thing to me still feels too complicated to actually pull off, but it is intriguing and it's something to follow because if they make this move, I believe it'll be because someone blows them away with a trade offer. So we'll see what happens over the next couple days here. The Mets won a game though. So I do want to talk about that in the final segment. First though, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets play the Washington Nationals again, 710 Eastern time tonight. Get your pitch to the Mets hometown broadcast with Sirius XM, the SXM app. Just search Mets. Well, scouts showed up in droves to watch the Mets play at City Field on Friday night. Maybe they were there for Mark Canna, for Tommy Pham, both of whom were in the starting lineup. Pham in left, Canna in right, Cam in a nice catch going back on a ball. He went over through with a walk. Tommy Pham, one for four with a strikeout. Not necessarily anything that uh, would have these GMs instantly offering their best prospects, but I'm sure ultimately body of work will prevail on whether those guys get moved. Maybe scouts are looking at Max Scherzer, seeing if he's still the Max of old, if there's still that guy in there, and they can make a trade for him. I, at this point, think that's the least likely uh, scenario among the floated trade candidates. I think the... Two guys already mentioned the guys that came out of the bullpen, even Adam Adovino and Brooks Raley tonight might even be ahead of the two aces. Omar Revais might be ahead uh, of those guys as far as likelihood to be traded. Then you get to Verlander and I think Scherzer is the least likely to be moved, but you really never know at this deadline. And suddenly you could see a push for it. And who knows the players can maybe angle for it. And maybe Justin Verlander wants to stay in New York and is not willing to waive a no trade clause. And Max Scherzer says, you know what? Get me back to the Dodgers. Maybe the Dodgers are in on it. So we'll see what happens. Ultimately, Scherzer pitched well. He gave up a home run. He struck out seven. Was scoreless through six. Good outing. The story, though, was Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso had a great game. Another two-home run game. Another game where he drove in five. All five of the Mets' runs. And it, it seemed to me like Pete played with a certain level of fire, a certain level. And it's not that he, he doesn't always do it. But... There's times where Pete Alonso is pressing and there's times where Pete Alonso is comfortably locked in and aggressive. And the second home run he hit in particular was one where it wasn't a mistake that he handled. That was the first pitch and he destroyed it off Mackenzie Gore. I mean, you know, center cut little bit in 89 mile per hour slider that hung up for him and he destroyed it. Exit velocity of 112 and a half. He hit the ball 450 feet. It was a majestic home run. But the second one to me, where he hit it still 423 feet with an exit below of 107, but it was the fact that he's sitting 2-2. He gets a, a fastball that is up that he's supposed to chase, but they didn't get enough up because even though it's out of the strike zone at the letters, Felt like a fastball was coming. He was all over it. He took it to the opposite field to to right center and drove it out of the ballpark with authority. 
That was so impressive for Pete Alonso. And that showed a level of <laughs> just locked. I'm trying to think of a, a, a verb for locked in on the locked on podcast network, but that's what it was though. It was him being locked bottom line to cover that pitch, drive it out of the ballpark. And I said it earlier this week. If there's anything that gets the Mets back in it this season, it is Pete Alonso. Not going to say he pushes for an MVP, although if he found a way to get this Mets team in the plus, he might as well deserve it. But he hit his 30th home run tonight, 29th and 30th. And seemed angry, but a good angry. And maybe, and I said it when they traded Robertson yesterday, I said it on that show, maybe it, it was just a team that needed a shakeup. But it's not to say trading David Robertson makes the Mets better. But being sellers at the deadline maybe does. Or maybe all this will they, won't they sell. The team's been playing tight. Now it's like, yeah, the, the guys look around the clubhouse and say, we sucked and we we deserve to lose players because we are not in the mix the way we should be at the deadline. But let's change it now. And you never know. Maybe that everyone's counting us out thing can actually inspire some confidence in the Mets. The biggest thing is you're playing the Nationals. And then you're playing the Royals. But you know what? The Mets haven't been handling the bad teams. So if they show some life this weekend and get a four-game sweep, and then they go into, I believe those games are in Kansas City, correct? Yes. And then they go into Kansas City and they handle business there. If they're able to do that, all right, maybe we're in for a more exciting next couple of months than we think. It's still hard to count on it, but hey, if they if they win all these games this weekend and the Mets haven't made another trade, I'm sure they'll think twice about it. I'm sure they'll think twice and and decide what they should do. Um, if you're trading someone, if a team is offering you anything for a guy like Omer Nervais, that's not of much consequence to you this season either way, you probably consider it. If someone gives you a really good deal for one of the left fielders, maybe you consider that too. But if you sweep this weekend and you get great pitching performances, let's say you get another gem from Verlander on Sunday. Maybe you look at it and say, all right, let's just let this team play. You invested enough in it. We were able to recoup some value back on some of our players. Let's just let this team play. And, you know, I think as much as I'd be happy for them to go full bore on the sell, and I wrote an article about that today at JustBaseball.com, that this is the first time the Mets have sold since 2018, and it's refreshing for them to be honest with themselves and make moves thinking long-term instead of always short-term. But if the team can show you a little bit of fight here after trading David Robertson, maybe you reward them by not completely stripping it down to nothing, to the studs. So... It's going to be a really exciting last couple days heading up to this deadline. And on Wednesday, who knows what ball club we will be discussing. But for all you you everydayers, make sure you're locked in uh, to this show. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe. You're watching on YouTube, subscribe there as well. I will not be around on Saturday. Unless the Mets make a trade, you're not going to see me for a Sunday podcast. But if they do, I have my mic with me. So I will you know, get an audio only show out there and then we'll be back for a Monday show and it'll be at that point, you know, getting close to 24 hours uh, until that trade deadline. 
and on Tuesday afternoon. So going to be a lot of fun up until then. I already told you to to follow. Uh, Make sure if you want to catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast this weekend, you can do so with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.